Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. As always, we appreciate you listening to Bible Crossfire every week at this same time. I thought tonight while we're waiting on our first call, we would talk about the question, hopefully answer the question from a biblical perspective. The question being, does it matter what we believe, what we teach, how we live, how we worship, where we go to church? Maybe an illustration to help you see what I'm talking about. When I was growing up, let's say I'm 14 years old. I'm out of school for the summer, too 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 young to drive. My dad is leaving for work that morning. He says, uh, Pat, be sure and cut the grass, the lawn, while I'm gone. He comes on that evening. I haven't cut the grass. He says, Pat, why didn't you cut the grass? Did you hear me? I heard you, Daddy, but I didn't think that it really mattered. What do you think? What happened to me? I think I would have got been disciplined. I think I'd have got a spanking. See, because as a boy, my dad's my authority. I don't have the right to say, Dad, I'm not going to do what you said because I don't think it mattered. I didn't think the grass needed cutting or I didn't think it was worth it or anything. He's our, he was my authority. You have authorities in this life. As you're growing up, your, your parents are your authority. The school teachers, your authority. The government is everybody's authority. Our boss at work is our authority, but the ultimate authority is God. If God says, do this, do it this way or do it for this reason, we don't have a right to say, well, I don't think that that matters and argue about it because he's the ultimate authority. Authority Here in Alabama, where I live, they say you have to choose between Alabama football and Auburn football. Well, does God care who we pull for, Alabama or Auburn? Well, everybody agree God does not care. How do we know he doesn't care? Because he doesn't tell us who to pull for. If he says in the Bible, thou shalt pull for Auburn, then we'd have to pull for Auburn. But the fact that he didn't say who to pull for means it doesn't matter. It's all just for fun. Here's the other side of that coin. If he does say something, if he does instruct us in a certain way, then it does matter. It matters what we believe, what we teach, what we practice in religion, because God is the one that dictates. He's our authority. Let's look at some passages that help us see that it does matter what we believe, teach, and practice in religion. For example, Matthew 15, verse 9, Jesus said, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Well, they should have been teaching the commandments of who? You say, God, of course, but because they're teaching the commandments of men, their worship is in vain, meaning useless or worthless. Can you go to heaven if your worship is useless or worthless? No. One of the reasons we worship God is so we can spend eternity with him in heaven. And if our worship is not accomplishing the intended purpose. So this verse, would it teach that it matters what we teach in religion? Yeah, because if we teach the commandments of men, our worship is in vain. We can't go to heaven that way. How would you know if somebody's preaching, say at church or on TV or on the radio like right now, how would you know if what they're teaching is a commandment of men or a commandment of God? I think it would be if you find it in the Bible, it came from God. If it's not in the Bible, it must have come from men. That's the only other choice. If you have a Bible question or comment, why don't you give me a call at 877-655-6755. The lines are wide open right now. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877 877- 655-6755. Also in Matthew 15, in verse 14, Jesus said, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Now, Jesus is constantly teaching by analogy. I mean, all of the parables are really just analogies. Here, Here's his analogy here. Two men walking through a pasture. 
they come up on a ditch and both of them are blind. What's likely to happen? Well, they're going to fall into the ditch because you need one of them to be able to see to say, hey, let's go around the ditch or let's let's go over the bridge. But they're going to fall into the ditch because neither one of them can see. Now, here's the spiritual point of this analogy. The blind leader represents the false religious teacher. The blind follower represents us if we allow that false religious teacher to lead us astray. And what would the ditch represent? The ditch represent the bad place, H-E-L-L. Some may have this kind of attitude. Well, I'm supposed to follow my pastor. If he teaches something that's wrong, he'll be held accountable, but not me. I'm supposed to follow him. Well, Jesus is debunking that kind of reasoning big time here. He's saying, no, if you allow that false teacher to lead you astray, you're going to end up being lost just like him. You're going to fall into the ditch just like the blind leader if you're a blind follower. So would this verse teach that it matters what we believe in religion? But it doesn't matter. Well, it certainly does matter because if we allow a false teacher to lead us astray, we're going to be lost just like him. But yet almost all preachers out there will tell you it doesn't matter what you believe and teach, even though these verses clearly teach that it does matter. They'll say all you got to do is believe in Jesus. It doesn't really matter what you believe and teach and what you practice in religion. That doesn't matter at all as long as you believe in Christ. But Jesus is making it clear in Matthew 15, verse 9 and 14, that it matters greatly what you believe and teach, that your soul's destiny depends upon it. Let's talk about a couple of uh, uh, issues to make sure you get the point. But before we do that, let me ask you a question. How would you tell, or what's the best way to guard against a false teacher leading you astray? If the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. We need to guard against being led astray by a false, false teacher. What's the best way to guard against that? How about comparing whatever a Bible teacher says to the Bible? When you hear me on the radio, on this program, you demand that I prove what I'm saying with book, chapter, and verse. And if I'm not proving what I'm saying with book, chapter, and verse, well, you know how your parents said you're letting that go through one ear and out the other? That's always a bad thing. Well, here's a good time to let it. You let it go through one ear and out the other. If I'm not proving or anybody, any preacher is not proving what they're saying with the Bible. We see an example of this in Acts 17, verse 11. It says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So here we had the Bereans, Paul and Silas. Paul's maybe the second most famous gospel preacher of all time, second only to Jesus. Yet the Bible commends the Bereans because they didn't just accept what Paul said blindly. They checked what he said against God's word, the Bible, to make sure it was so. That's what we all need to do to make sure we're not being led astray by a false teacher. Remember, Matthew 15, 14, if you're led astray by a false teacher, you're going to end up being lost in the ditch just like him. That's what we need to do. Now, the two issues I want to talk about just briefly, uh, just as test cases to make sure you understand what I'm talking about, the first one is the issue of baptism. Does it have to be immersion, as some churches say, or will sprinkling suffice, as some churches say? And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are still wide open. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Romans 6 verse 4 reads this way. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, 
Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Now, did you notice the first part of that verse that we're buried with him, buried with Christ in baptism? What's that word buried mean? When somebody dies and we take them out to the graveyard, bury them, does that mean we just sprinkle a little dirt on their head or does that mean we put them all the way up under the ground? Well, we know what the word buried means. It means we put them all the way up under the ground. So what would it mean in baptism? If we're buried with Christ in baptism, is that going to mean we just sprinkle a little water on their head? Or do we put them all the way up under the water? Buried means we're going to immerse them, right? So that's what baptism needs to be. It needs to be an immersion, not sprinkling. But let's think back to that first verse we looked at. Jesus said, in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Would sprinkling for baptism be a commandment of God or a commandment of men? Well, the Bible teaches it has to be a burial, an immersion. So therefore, sprinkling for baptism would be a commandment of men. What does Matthew 15, 9 say about those who believe and teach and practice sprinkling for baptism? What well, says their worship is in vain, useless or worthless? Now, you may, you probably already agree with me that baptism needs to be immersion. You probably already knew that. But have you ever realized that since sprinkling for baptism is a commandment of men, that the people who believe and teach and practice that, that their worship is in vain, useless or worthless, and you can't go to heaven that way? You say, Pat, how could a little issue like that matter so much? It doesn't matter who you pull for, Alabama or Auburn, because God doesn't tell us who to pull for. But God does tell us how to baptize, so it does matter. If we say it doesn't matter, that would just be just like me as a son when my dad had told me to cut the grass to say, Dad, I didn't cut it because I didn't think that it mattered. Well, you can't do that with you with an authority, and God is our ultimate authority. If he says it's got to be, it should be a burial, it's got to be a burial. It does matter. It matters what we believe and teach and practice in religion. How about the issue of women preachers? Let's talk about that and use it as another test case. Now, when we talk about the issue of women preachers, nobody's saying it's wrong for a woman to lead a ladies' Bible class. That's not what we're talking about. When churches come together on Sunday mornings, most of them come together for what they call Sunday school classes, Bible classes. They're in those classes for 45 minutes or an hour. Then they leave those classes and they come all together in one place. Uh, the church service, we might say. Uh, all in one place is what 1 Corinthians 14, 23 is talking about. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Now, on this issue of women preachers, is that passage clear or ambiguous? I'm not sure there's a passage in the Bible, a verse in the Bible that's any clearer on any, on any issue. Three times it says that it's wrong. Let your women keep silence in the churches, verse 34. It is not permitted unto them to speak. And then in verse 35, it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Yet I'm told statistics say 75% of congregations, if you think of all the different types of churches, 75% of congregations across America and Canada allow women to preach from the pulpit. Why is that? Why do so many churches allow women to preach from the pulpit when this passage is so clearly against it? Might it be that they're not really trying to follow the Bible anymore, that they're just allowing what's politically, politically, politically correct to dictate what they're going to do? Or maybe what they think is best, or maybe what will bring in the most people or the most contribution. Hmm. Pretty clear. Now, let's think about this. If a church allows women to preach from the pulpit, 
are they practicing a commandment of God or a commandment of men? Well, since it's not in the Bible, it goes against the Bible, it would be a commandment of men, wouldn't it? What does Matthew 15 verse 9 say about those who, who believe and teach and practice the commandments of men? Their worship is in vain, useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven that way. You think, well, Pat already knew women preachers was wrong, but I didn't know it was this important. You mean the folks that are allowing women to preach from the pulpit, their worship is in vain, useless or worthless? Exactly. Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Jesus said that if we practice, if we teach the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God, our worship is in vain, Matthew 15, verse 9. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Let's turn now to Galatians 1. We'll read verses 6 through 9. Galatians 1, 6 through 9 says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. What's Paul saying here? He said, if you preach a different gospel than what I preach, Paul, what Paul preached, meaning the New Testament gospel, you're going to be accursed. NIV says eternally condemned. Well, would that passage then teach that it matters what we teach or that it doesn't matter what we teach? Well, I'll say that it matters. Again, our eternal, our soul's eternal destiny is, is dependent upon it. We're going to be eternally condemned. We're going to be accursed spiritually if we don't preach what the New Testament says. If we preach something different than what the New Testament says, we're going to be lost. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in him strong enough to follow his teachings. And if you don't follow his teachings, these passages are saying you're going to be lost. It matters what we believe, what we teach in practice in religion. James chapter 2, verse 10. Let's turn there and read that. If you if you have your Bible handy, read it with me. By the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he's guilty of all. You know, I think this is, a, James is stating a truism about any law here. Any law. He's talking about the New Testament law here in verses one through nine, he's talking about people in the church assembly showing prejudice against poor people. And he's saying, hey, if that's if that's the only thing you're doing wrong, you're still in violation of God's law. But this would apply to any law. For example, how many crimes would you have to commit in the state of Alabama to be considered a criminal? Just one. He says the same thing is true about the Ten Commandment law in verse 11. If you were to commit no adultery, yet if you kill, you're in violation of the Old Testament law. You only have to violate one point to be guilty of the law. And he says in verse 12 of James 2, so speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. In other words, we're going to be judged by the New Testament law, the law of liberty. And keep in mind that when we're going to be judged by that, if we violate one point, we're guilty of the whole thing. That's some pretty serious judging, isn't it? Hey, this doesn't mean you can't be forgiven for a sin. That's not what it's saying. But suppose a person thinks, well, I've lived really well really good according to God's word, Sunday through Friday. So God's not going to mind since I did so well Sunday through Friday. God's not going to mind if I go out Saturday night, pick up a woman at a bar and cheat on my wife because it's only one violation. That won't fly with God or fly with your wife. If you violate one point, you're guilty of the whole thing. 
Well, think about that. James 2.10. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Does that verse indicate that it matters how we live or that it doesn't matter how we live? Certainly matters how we live, doesn't it? I think I've met a lot of people who claim to be Christians, that, but the way they live, it's like they don't think it matters how you live. They go to church maybe every Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, they don't, they, they live like they don't think God cares how you live, especially the churches that teach once saved, always saved, because of what they're actually teaching falsely is that you can live any old way you want to and still be saved, that it doesn't matter to God how you live. But it does matter to God what we believe, what we teach, what we practice in religion, and how we live. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 10. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Let me read Leviticus 10, 1 and 2. This is the Old Testament story, just two verses to help make a point here. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, this being in the Old Testament, we're not going to learn how to worship God from this. The New Testament never tells us to burn incense in our worship to God. But here's what we can learn, I think, from this story. Nadab and Abihu were worshiping God, but they weren't worshiping God the way he specified, the way he directed them to worship God in the Old Testament. So here's what we can learn. It's not enough just to worship God today. We need to worship God the way he's told us to in the New Testament. I think there's a lot of churches, a lot of people out there, they just think, well, God wants us to worship him and we can just do anything we want to in worship. Whatever suits our fancy. No. What we can learn from Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, Nadab and Abihu worship God. They weren't worshiping God the way God told them to, so God was so displeased he executed them. In the New Testament, if we worship God, but we don't worship God the way he's told us to, God is going to be displeased. That's what we can learn. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and though they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. In truth, John 17, 17, Jesus said, sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth. So worshiping God in truth means according to his word, according to how he's instructed in the, the scriptures. In spirit and in truth mean, mean with the right attitude, with the right motivation. You can't just do what God says because maybe you're trying to impress a pretty young lady you're interested in. You have to do it because you want to please God. Again, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Next, let's go to 2 John, back to the New Testament. Right before the book of Revelation, if you're following along, I'm going to read 2 John. I'm going to eventually read verses 9 through 11, but let's start with 2 John verse 9. Here's what that says. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Did you get that? God is saying that you have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God. Can you be saved if you don't have God? Of course not. The only way we're going to be saved is through the grace and mercy in God. So we have to abide in the doctrine, the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. Wow. <laughs> what about all those churches that are allowing gay marriage or women preachers or sprinkling babies for baptism and other things that are not in the doctrine of Christ? They're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. They claim to be a church and 99% of the population attends these type churches, these kind of denominational churches, but they're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, so they don't have God. They're not going to be saved. Does that verse teach that it matters? 
what we believe and teach and practice in religion? It certainly does. Let's use our, go back to our two test cases a minute. Sprinkling for baptism. If a church practices that, are they, are they abiding in the teaching of Christ? No, they're not. Therefore, their worship is in vain, useless or worthless. You can't go to heaven like that, according to Matthew 15, verse 9, because you're not, you're teaching a commandment of men. Sprinkling for baptism. Elizabeth from New Mexico. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, thank you for being on the radio tonight, first of all. Um, my question is about the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Yeah, you know, that's specifically mentioned in Colossians 2, 14 through 17. Let me read that to you, Elizabeth. It says, blotting out, it's about Jesus, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So here's some ordinances that Jesus blotted out. They took them out of the way and nailed them to the cross. So they're not binding anymore, obviously. Let me keep reading, starting in verse 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or the Sabbath day. So the Sabbath law, the fourth of the Ten Commandments, is specifically mentioned, Elizabeth, as one of the ordinances that Jesus blotted out, took out of the way, and nailed to the cross. So, of course, that would mean, obviously, it's no longer binding anymore. We can't judge anybody based upon that anymore. It's okay to work on Saturday. It's okay to cut my grass on Saturday. It's okay to work at my job on Saturday. Because the Sabbath is one of the ordinances that was nailed to the cross, according to Colossians 2, 14 through 17. You understand, Elizabeth? I do. Thank you. Thank you for do, do you. Do you have any follow-up? Um, well, not a follow-up, but I do have another short question um, about, you know, I, I'm a King James reader. And even in the King James Version, I noticed that, you know, um, the name of God, Yahweh, um, and, you know, Christ, Elohim, and, and Jehovah, all these names have been replaced. Um, and I don't know how to feel about that. I, I, well, would, so, I think there's power in the name, and I'm wondering so, so, why did uh, they do that. Well, Elizabeth, here's yeah. why they did that. It's not really a change. Here's what they're doing. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew for the most part, the New Testament in Greek. And all they're doing is they're translating the Hebrew into English. And they're translating the Greek into English. So they're not really changing anything. They're just translating it into our language. So so every single word in the New Testament was written in Greek, except for maybe a few words in Aramaic. And it's all been translated. Every single one of those words has been changed from Greek to English. Not just God's name, but every single word has been changed because they're translating it into our language so that we can read it. We're back in 2 John. Verses 9 through 11. And now let me read verse 10 and 11. It says, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So verse 9 is saying, Pat, you better abide in the teaching of Christ or you don't have God. You're not going to be saved. You're going to be lost. But verse 10 and 11 is saying, Pat, if somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ, do not bid them God's speed. Do not help them in that sin. Do not encourage them in that sin. Because if you do, you become a partaker in their evil deeds. Let me illustrate. We talked about women preachers a while ago. It's going to be impossible for me to commit the sin of being a woman preacher. Because I'm a man. But what if I worship with a congregation that allows women to preach from the pulpit and I just go along with it? Just go along with it. You see, I'm bidding them God's speed and I become a partaker in their evil deeds. 
You see that? That's what we see from verse 10 to 11. So it not only matters how I live, matters what I believe and teach, but I need to worship with the church that's following God's word, faithfully following God's word. Now, let's look at verse 9 with our little test case on the women preachers. Verse 9 says you have to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God. Well, is women preachers, is that abiding in the teaching of Christ or not? Well, it's not according to 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35. So the people who believe, teach, and allow women to preach from the pulpit, they're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ. They don't have God. They can't be saved. Do you see how serious these matters are? It matters what we believe, what we teach, how we live, how we worship, and where we go to church based upon these passages we read. I know that can be a shock to some because most Bible teachers will say it doesn't matter. All you got to do is believe in Jesus. But it does matter what you believe and practice in religion. Appreciate you listening tonight. If you'd like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, it's your convenience. Over the phone, free of charge, give me a call or text me at 256-682-9753.